Blog Talk Radio. It's brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, handling the rough stuff with ADHD when nothing works. Uh, we're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me just the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine, and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made, and we'll get into the show. When you have ADHD, putting in an eight-hour workday while maintaining maximum concentration can be a challenge. Here are some strategies to help make your physical environment less distracting. Use your laptop, smartphone, or alarm to track appointments and deadlines. Break up long tasks into shorter ones. Take breaks and walk around. Before you leave work, take five minutes to organize your work area for the next day. To learn more about workplace issues, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. So Maria Paxson is a true uh, gift and asset to the ADHD community. She's been volunteering for many, many years um, and very active in the ADHD community. I got to know her many years ago when I was in the editorial board of Attention Magazine. And we did an interview, handling the rough stuff when nothing works. Basically, uh, she's just an ADHD parent. And she's been a volunteer for years. And she gets out there, and there's lots of books and tips and professionals talk about it. But sometimes that stuff just breaks down, and it just doesn't work. She's mentioned this one time. I'm like, I've got to do an interview with that. And so this is a, a re-release of an interview I did with her years ago on her lived experience. I think we all can identify when uh, the theory doesn't necessarily work. What do you do? Uh, hence the motivation. I think you'll enjoy this. Let's roll the tape. Marie, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much, Jeff. I'm delighted to be here. Um, she, again, Rob Tedisco, Marie Paxson, people like these that we've had on this stuff. I mean, she is, she is the, the driver behind all this stuff. And everybody, um, we shall, I'll, I'll have a, like a virtual clap for her for what she does. <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm thrilled she came on the show tonight because she's been so in the trenches 
we go to Chad conferences. You listen to uh, Attention Talk Radio with the theories, and we pontificate all the time about the perfect world. And then sometimes, as Marie says, the police are in your driveway, and the and the principal's on the phone, and you're kind of freaking out, and that's a little bit of a challenge. And uh, we wanted to have her on to kind of talk about that, so she's experienced it. So uh, to get into this, Maria. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about your experience in general about, you know, you've been educated and you've been through the trenches and the, the first couple of times where you're confronted with a situation where it's not quite running by the book. Just, just tell us about your angst, anxiety and panic, if you will, because we'll, I want to talk about what we do after that, but just key it up for us, if mm-hmm. you will. Okay, I'm uh, the parent of two children. One had um, academic struggles and a learning disability through his whole uh, childhood and academic career. And then uh, my daughter had some emotional problems, you know, regulating her emotions, some outbursts, um, anger, that sort of thing. So I kind of had worst of both worlds. I always say you would not have wanted to live in my house. So um, (laughs) just that feeling of, other other families c- could manage things better why why wasn't why wasn't what the the typical advice that we were getting from experts you know online uh in magazines lectures why wasn't what they were telling us working for us and a lot of it has to do with ADHD you know is unique and people who have it you have to use very specific strategies that don't look like what your neighbor does with their neurotypical children. So um, throughout the years between, you know, the struggles that my children had and then my husband and I were not always on the same page of how to manage it, uh, even when we knew what we wanted to do, a lot of times we weren't in agreement. So much of the time we didn't know what to do. And that's a terrible feeling when you're a parent and you can see your child and your children struggling. there's also this feeling where uh, sometimes there would be, you know, two or three little minor incidents, which if they happened months apart, you'd say, well, okay, every, you know, every kid, you know, needs to learn from logical consequences and makes a misstep here and there. But when they were happening a lot in succession, it was very worrisome. And uh, a lot of I attribute a lot of this I attribute to impulse impulsivity. You know, they yep. just weren't thinking ahead. And I found the impulsivity really to be the most dangerous part of ADHD, whether it was, you know, with bike accidents or spout, you know, spouting off to the wrong person, saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. Um, you know, you're already in detention, and now you say the worst thing you could possibly say in there, and now they've tacked on three other detentions. So there was just this. Kind of, we just. I felt like we hopped from crisis to crisis, and I tried looking for support from my typical support networking. You know, I had some girlfriends. I have wonderful, wonderful sisters. Um, I have neighbors that are, you know, very sympathetic. But everybody I was talking to, I just wasn't getting anywhere. Sometimes I didn't even feel better. You know how sometimes, you know, as long as you can unload it, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved or something. I wasn't even getting that out of it. Uh, And then I would go into oversharing. Sometimes I would tell so much I could just see the look on people's faces like, oh, my God, get me away (laughs) from this woman. So I, I was really struggling to find a balance. So what has been most helpful to me and what the key was for, for me, I learn through people. 
I learn from their experiences, their stories, their support. So for me, and I'm not really just doing this as a commercial for Chad, even though I've been a long-time volunteer. For me, Chad really opened that door for me to fully understand what it means to get support called challenges, to be able to call someone and tell them something that's, you know, we've had some really serious stuff in our family. I mean, we've had the garden variety stuff. We've had the stuff that, you know, probably 30 years ago would have been a rite of passage, but now the police are involved. Um, but And some really serious things. So to be able to call someone and say, oh, my gosh, you won't believe what just happened, and I don't know what to do. And and let me ask you when you when you call somebody up and you don't know what to do and you kind of processing that what does that how does that help you is, is it just getting it out or is it, are you thinking out loud or talking to somebody else with a kid with ADHD is it a brainstorming session and you try to do something different just talk to me about that a little bit uh, it is some brainstorming and it is some venting and some sharing of a problem because a lot of the stuff especially the more serious stuff. There's really a short list of people you can tell, and sometimes people would have been very supportive, like I'm thinking of my sisters, but this was going to upset them as much as it was going to upset me and that, uh, to talk about. So now I'm upset, and I've upset them, and I just I didn't want to open that door. So um, what I did learn along the way is that your, your, your mind and your thinking process is kind of like a recirculating fountain, you know, whether you have one of those little fountains that you have in your home or whether you have yep. one in your pot, in your garden or something like that, or even what that you see at the mall, it's the same water going through. There's a, <laughs> until you add something new to the mix, your brain can't think of that many pro- solutions. What, when the problem that you are facing, your brain is going to be able to come up with like three or four things. You don't know if they're going to work. You, you just, you can't see because you're too, yep. you're too emotional, you're too close to the situation, you're too afraid of making a mistake. And a lot of times we're too emotionally invested in the outcome. Um, I have evolved now. And of course, my kids are older, so I do have the luxury that they are adults. But even if they're in a jam now, I might say, have you thought about trying this? But I've learned to let go of the outcome, to give my input, but not to get attached to the outcome. So I learned all this through people. I, I didn't learn all this in books. <laughs> well, so that's interesting. Um, what I'm hearing you say is that you, you, you reached out and you narrowed your field of people to mm-hmm. talk to, the ones that have been into the trenches a little bit. I'm hearing a little bit that they're, they're not as judgmental, like they got to fix the problem or you're wrong, but more of a safer environment and just sharing thoughts and ideas for you to kind of brainstorm and maybe figure out something different because that water fountain thing that you described is it's the same water kind of going through and somebody's not telling you what to do or trying to fix the situation or judging, just throwing ideas kind of opens that space up a little bit. Is that is that an accurately framed? Yes, or, or yes, and even give you the perspective. You know, you think this is the worst thing that's ever happened, and sometimes it is, but a lot of times it's bad. But they might say, well, you know, think about it, you know, not it could be worse in a patronizing way, uh, yep. but they might point out hardships that have happened to others or at least, well, I'm sorry that happened, but at least, you know, this other aspect of it did not occur. So sometimes just kind of even talking you off the ledge. Um, yep. Sometimes, you know, we just get so freaked out that um, we just we just get frozen. And yep. I found that especially when I was a novice, 
this at family crises. Um, as soon as a situation presented itself, I wanted to take action right away. It was just like, oh, my God, this thing happened. Here's what I have to do. Coming from a place of fear, so I, I hadn't processed it with someone else to say, well, that might work or that could backfire really big time. Or do you think you want to give that some time and see if, you know, you get new pieces of information before you, you know, take off with yep. your solution? Um, so I would get, I would kind of get stuck. Um, first I would, I first, the first thing I had to do was think, oh my God, how did this happen? What caused this? I couldn't move forward unless I knew the reason, which eventually, mm -hmm. after you've gotten to a number of family crises, you realize, boy, is that a waste of time? Um, <laughs> and so then, uh, you know, like there might not ever be a reason. You might never know the reason. You might re realize the reason six months from now, but that's not helping yep. you today. Yep. So I kind of learned to break it down, um, you know, I've heard this in 12-step programs. Um, before you take action, you need to do things in the proper order. There's awareness, which that's as soon as you get the bad phone call or as soon as you get the bad piece of news. That's your awareness. And then you kind of have to accept that this is real, that, you know, this really happened and that, you know, this has to be addressed. Does it have to be addressed by me? Can I let my child work this out on their own? Do we need to bring in some outside help? You know, all that is coming to yep, acceptance yep. that the problem has to be managed, but we haven't actually determined who's going to manage it. And then you go wow. into action. Because wow. most people, you know, bad thing happened, I must fix. They take an yep. action. It's luck of the draw if it's the right one. Wow. I tell you what, I want to take a break here because there's – oh, my God, I can't wait to come back. There's so much really cool stuff in here. Um, before, we, before we go to a break real quickly, um, Marie's very involved. The local chapter of Chad in the Philadelphia area uh, is having a conference on February the 10th. Um, Marie, the website to learn more about that is – correct me if I'm wrong. It's CharlieCharlieMaryLisaChad, C-H-A-D-D dot com. Is that the right website? That's correct. And and if you're in that area in the vicinity, it's a very very thriving chapter of Chad. I encourage you to go do that. And um, I'm not going to uh, the content. I'm, I'm sure is on the website, but I encourage you to go check that stuff out. Um, and with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word tonight is handling. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change your lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome back. We're with Marie Paxson, uh, one of the angels in the ADHD community. She's a plethora of information, been around for a while, and been uh, volunteering forever. And everybody, this is uh, usually I uh, have interviewed most of our guests before coming on. I know Marie very well. The topic is interesting because I'm, I'm coming on the high wire without a net. And it's fascinating to Marie because I'm listening to you um, 
that you you have these strategies that you implement with your ADHD kids, hoping they're going to work out. But when they don't work, what do you do then? And what's fascinating to me that I heard is is you actually at this point in time are emotional. And you're struggling with emotional self-regulation, and you're actually, in a real interesting way, kind of in the same place that your ADHD kid is. And we've done – going back to 2011, we did an interview with Dr. Russell Barkley about uh, ADHD and emotion and his argument how emotions are as much a part of ADHD as anything else is because ADHD is a self-regulation issue, and you've got to regulate attention um, and emotion. So he brought, he brought that piece into it. Uh, we had Autumn Zatanian from Sesame Street talking about – self-regulation in season 43 on Sesame Street, how they spent a lot of time helping preschoolers begin to understand self-regulation and emotional self-regulation. And what was fascinating from that interview, the biggest thing is you have to catch it in the moment. And you have to actually pause and you breathe to get oxygen to your brain. And then you count, well, you belly breathe and you count one, two, three to distance yourself from the trigger. And then you brainstorm. And a lot of what we were talking about before the break sounds a lot like that. We've had interviews with Dr. David now on the fight, fight, or freeze response. When you feel threatened, you go into action, and the biggest issue is to stop and pause and calm down. Kind of what I said on the, on the Sesame Street stuff, but the Marines, uh, when they're being trained, it's like, don't panic. And what I'm hearing you really say is that when, the, when all the theories don't work, as a parent, you're now in a self-regulation issue, and you've actually got to begin to, do, to apply the very same thing that you want your kids to, and that's to back yourself away, find somebody, breathe, pause, talk about it so you can think rationally. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, and I drug a whole lot of interviews that we've done in the past into that. But is that kind of an accurate summation of the direction of this, or am I missing this? No, I would agree with that exactly. You are now as as emotionally kind of unstable you know, as the child that you're trying to help, yep. and they're watching you for a month. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do adults do when they're in distress? Well, then they take a look at what you're doing. and it's, So, you know, not to give yourself additional pressure that you have to do this right, but, you know, just know that they are watching you. And, you know, it, you, you kind of have to acknowledge that, wow, this is really tough. Um, you know, and if your MO is to go right from, okay, something awful has happened, I must take action, um, you know, if you can show them, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do right now. Uh, you know, we are going to get through this because you always I, – I have to say, through all the bad stuff that our family has been through, I've had moments where I've lost hope, but I've never completely lost hope. So I, I think that's kind of the danger when people are in distress that they lose hope. So, um, you know, I, I always like to tell myself, okay, we have choices. Feelings aren't facts. You know, just because yep. I feel, you know, really angry or really shook up or something, that doesn't mean that it's a fact. It's just a feeling. Um, I, you know, I, I've been on uh, uh, websites and I've talked to other women. More women do it, I think, than men do radical <clears throat> self-care or extreme mm-hmm. self-care. It's when you really just baby yourself. Because you're like, this is horrible. This is absolutely yep. horrible. And if I try to operate on business as usual, I'm actually going to make things worse <laughs> because yep. Yep. it isn't business as usual. You know, I am really – I feel like the rug has been pulled out from under me. I'm not operating at my top capacity, nor should I even try. Um, so, you know, building – there's all kinds of websites about what you can do for radical self-care or extreme self-care – 
and it's very individualized. You know, I'm, I'm not yep. big on getting a manicure. So if someone said go get a manicure, that would not think that would be helpful to me. But so it, it really has to be individualized. Whatever you consider a treat, you know, the world is treating me harshly. I'm going to do this one little thing to treat myself gently. And, um, and it sounds so silly. It sounds trite and trivial and, you know, like, oh, my gosh, how bad is it that I'm trying this? But it's, it's well, just those little things. So it's interesting. I, I, I've, I've done this over the years. The cool part about me interviewing is I, I get to ask the questions as the interview, and I always have these aha moments that are kind of going on. And, you know, Marie, often I'm coaching uh, somebody with ADHD. And, again, my, my interviews with Dr. Barkley revolutionized my coaching. And one of the things that I've mm-hmm. learned is some people with ADHD struggle more with the emotional self-regulation than they do attention. Some it's vice versa. But when I'm, when I'm coaching people through emotional self-regulation that struggle, the hardest part is for them to pause in the moment and to, to, to mm-hmm. feel the body feeling. The, Melissa Orlov talks about the flooding feeling that kind of takes place. Um, with uh, Sesame Street, they were talking about you know, the tension or whatever, but the, the trigger is if you can feel the body. But it's funny because when that happens, I've, I've coached people to say, tell me about a time when you were able to downregulate, and we were looking for that thing that – is, I, I don't know the right word. It distracts you. It downregulates. But I've had people stick their head in a bucket of ice water or go for a run or doodle or play the piano or maybe go for a manicure. I see such a parallel in what you're talking about is when you're all amped up, you've got to stop and you've got to pause. And as Dr. Barkley says, you've got to downregulate your emotions. And if your escape is to go get your nails done or go for a walk or stick your head in a bucket of ice or go run five miles in the middle of the night just to kind of get down so you can think clearly and rationally and what i'm learning from you is that again sesame street models this with the puppets is once you get calmed down go talk out loud with somebody because you have this fountain that's replaying and you want new stuff coming in but do that with somebody who's not judgmental solving the problem that's there to help you creatively think and what i'm hearing is Mm -hmm. that that's the formula to go forward which is kind of funny because i'm talking to you about this but this is the thing that i'm coaching people with adhd because at the end of the day the biggest thing is to down regulate your emotions and to get creative with somebody without pressure and that's not necessarily the easiest thing to do it's easy for me to say it's hard to execute but i'm hearing from you that's the winning formula that's what i have found and I've also um, I've been on to as many presentations as probably you have on resilience More. <laughs> and, ha- yep. yeah, and having a, a resilient mindset. And when you are in distress, you know, you're going through this. This one thing is horrible. It's just horrible. There's no denying it's horrible. There's no minimizing it. You're not being dramatic. You are you yep. are in a bad situation. But your brain will tell you this thing's horrible. Everything's horrible. Everything about my life just sucks right now. It's all awful. And so if you can tell yourself, you just, I have to, I add the word now to it, you know, we are having a family crisis now. It's, it's time limited. There's a saying, there's never been a storm that hadn't passed. I mean, look at this year with our bad weather conditions. We've had some yep, yep. horrible, horrible storms and hurricanes. They eventually ended. Yes, there was aftermath. You know, I'm not going to, we're not minimizing it. But they, the clouds did not stay in the same spot the entire time. So if you can yep. tell yourself, you know, this is, this is bad, but it's, it's just bad for now. And the other thing um, people do is, and I do this, when three bad things happen in a row, especially if it's in a short time period, I'm like, oh, God, this week sucks. Get this week. Oh, my God. Yep. Really yep. all it is 
is that three random things happened. So three, you know, unpleasant, unnecessary, whatever things, three negative things happened. Not everything in your life is negative, just those three things. So then I have to think of, okay, this week sucks because these three bad things have happened. Now I have to tell myself what's good. And that ch- it changes my thought pattern. You know, yep. okay, we're, you know, this terrible thing, this mistake happened at work that's really going to take weeks to fix. At least, you know, I have sisters that I can call any day, any time, day or night and yep. talk to. You know, at least I, I, we bought a new car this year. You know, I have a new grandchild. Yep. Any, yep. Whatever it is yep. that's good in your life. And, it, and it, the, the smaller and the, easy, the quicker it is for you to call them up, the quicker yep. you'll get out of your negative slump. Absolutely, um, but absolutely, it, absolutely. But, but you you kind of have to train yourself to do it. It's, this is this is not intuitive. I think one of the first words I had to learn, as I could see that this journey was going to be really complicated, was the words counterintuitive. Um, yes. You know, what, sometimes whatever I felt like doing, I just had to do the opposite. Yep. Yep. It's, it's, it's funny because I think that when you get in that fight, fight, or freeze, it, you're, you're in the fight mode and we're preaching. You've got to stop and pause and kind of back away from it. And another show I want to reference, if you listen to this, I did a, sh- a show with uh, about a year ago with uh, uh, Lily Zellwig um, about mindfulness, and we broke it into two parts. One is uh, mindfulness practice to shift attention from one thing to another, but the other one is like a – a success journal or something like that, and that's to shift attitude. So there's the shifting of attention and the shifting of attitude. And, and Marie, what I'm hearing you say is to call people up and to shift your attention and to pay attention to, hey, I got a, a brand new uh, granddaughter this year. To shift your attitude is part and parcel to the process, and that's a little bit effortful because you have to actually stop and pay attention mm-hmm. to the good things that are going on because the problems will crowd out the good things if you're not careful. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then you're not neither, in solution mode. Absolutely. I want to go to a break, and we before when we come back, one of, one of the things I want to talk about before we we got on the air real quick. You said, you know, often as a parent, you jump in, you jump in and you rob your children of the opportunity to find a solution to the problem. And I, I really want to talk to you about that a little bit after break because I think that's a little bit fascinating uh, for everybody who's listening, particularly if you're in the Philly area. Uh, go check out Charlie Charlie M. Mary Larry Chad, that's C-C-M-L-C-H-A-D-D.com. They've got a conference um, on February the 10th in the Philadelphia area that's put on uh, by that local Chad conference. I know it's spectacular, so go check it out. With that, we'll be right back after these messages. Our secret word is handling. You're listening to Attention Talk Radio. We'll return in a moment. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084. 
and schedule a free consultation. Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We're here with uh, Marie Paxson having a great conversation about what to do when the, when the theory's not necessarily working. Um, it's very interesting to me how we've kind of un- unfolded this to, uh, to really manage your own emotions and down to down regulate, which is a lot of uh, the challenges of ADHD. Um, but one thing particularly I want to talk about, um, and I want to be careful with this, is I, I teed it up before the break, and that is as a parent, you want to get into to fix mode, and you rob your children of the opportunity to solve a problem. And I want to be – there's a contextual thing here. There's, there's some times where your kid is having some issues maybe socially, like maybe nobody wants to play with them, and you want them to solve their own problem. That can be a little bit difficult, but other times um, – you, if you solve their problem, then they become to rely on you to solve their problem, and they're not there. Or you're solving the problem in a more negative way and not empowering them. So there's kind of like driving down the road. There's too far to the left, too far to the right. But with this conversation, I want to focus on, Marie, when, when you're in that reactive mode and you're jumping in the parent to, to, to save the day – at some situations, you do rob your children of the opportunity to learn and, and solve the problem. Can you talk to us about your experience with that a little bit? Sure, and I have done that many, many times. Um, and one of the questions I learned to ask myself, and I wish I had found this out sooner, but I was, you know, I would think I was almost 50 years old. Um, what is my motivation? Before I take this action, what's my motivation? And sometimes the answer is, I'm so scared, I feel like I really do need to do something. And at least I know why I'm doing it. Um, and sometimes, you know, my motivation might be like, I'm just tired of this whole topic. I'm just you know, going to handle this and get done with it. There's a downside to doing that, but at least I've asked myself the question instead of just going on autopilot. So, yes, yeah, sometimes when your child is in a jam, there is benefit for him or her to get him or get themselves out of it. It's skill building. Um, it's making the, it builds in that accountability piece. Um, you know, like, okay, you made the mistake. It was a mistake. It shouldn't have happened. We all get that. But you know, now what are you going to do about it? I mean, you can't, you know how when your kid is three, you know, like they'll bump into you or do something and then they'll go, sorry. And it's the most, you know, it's because they're just learning. It's just a word. And, you know, as they get older, they need to know that it's really more than just saying the words. You say the words and then you say, can I make this right? So that's a valuable lesson. And then uh, sometimes I have to admit my, you know, swooping in and intervening slash interfering, I I think it was kind of to boost my own ego, you know. I'm a pretty Uh good problem solver. Um, I, I, I forged good relationships, especially with the teachers and administrators at the, you know, at the school. So I could use my connections to make yep. my child's path smoother. Um, yep. I, so, so really some of it I, I was doing for the wrong reason. And what I, what I completely overlooked and did not realize until a long time later was I learn best when I'm in distress, you know, like I learn what not to do. I, I make the most changes in my life when I'm in a stressful situation that I choose not to repeat. So if I, if they don't actually feel the stress of what it's like to dig yourself out of a hole, 
um, maybe like they won't remember, you know, like they'll just do it again. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, and one of the things I learned was when I was, you know, thinking I'm being this fabulous helper, um, I, I was sending, I, all I meant was this is really tough. This is a, a really challenging situation. I think the best solution is for us as parents to go in and do blah, blah, blah. My kids were hearing, you, you can't handle this. You, you don't know what to do. So you know what? We're going to do this for you. So the people that they trusted the most had the highest opinion of them were kind of sending them a message like, you don't have this. You know, you're, you're just, it, you, you don't know how to do this, so we're going to do it for you. When that was not what I meant. So, so there's kind of a misinterpretation that also goes on. You know, it's oh my god! I got to tell this story because um, we're, we're talking about suffering and failure and parents and not want to do this and motivation and all kinds of stuff. But it's fascinating to me because as you were telling this story, I I, I was a, a high adventure scoutmaster leader here in Tampa for a period of time, and I was in on my way out. Like I was, my, my kids were almost done. My oldest son was kind of in the process and I was leading the camping trip and this, this new kid showed up and he had all this stuff and um, mm-hmm. it was like pillows and stuff that mom had packed and whatever. The kid was kind of running off and finally he ditched all that stuff and he didn't have a jacket and stuff. And his mother walks up to me and she's like, you know, what's going to happen? He's not, he's going to freeze. And I said, well, this will be the last time he, he freezes to death. <laughs> and she looked at me and I said it kind of like off the, off the cuff, right? So off we go to this freaking camping trip, and sure enough, uh, this kid actually didn't bring a tent. There was a couple of boys that were sleeping outside, and it started to rain, and they got cold. And he came knocking on my tent, and Boy Scout training is very explicit. You are, you, you are not to be with a child without other people being around. And the kid's like, oh, yeah, get in my yeah. tent. Like, I, I, I can't allow that to happen. You have to sit out in the rain. And I remember the kid was just sitting on my side, my tent, crying. And suffering. And I'm sitting there going, I can't do this because, A, I mean, what happens is they crawl in the tent and all of a sudden they tell a story and they're in trouble. And I'm like sitting there yeah. like this kid's suffering outside. And I couldn't sleep all night, all night because I, I, was, I, I was doing what I was supposed to do. But it was one of the hardest nights I ever had is to let this kid suffer. It's funny because I saw the woman two years later and she said, you know something? He's never been cold since. And, and my, the point of my story is – is he was resilient. He wasn't having the problem. I was having a hard time with him suffering. Even after mm-hmm. I had said, this will be the last time he's cold. And I think that's, it was, it was as we were telling the story, and I'm telling the story as, a, as, as an adult figure, you don't want kids to suffer. I think it's really hard sometimes to let people suffer in pain to learn from it. And you had said you learn the most when you're in that type of a situation. And so you want to speak to that a little bit because as, as, as I'm processing this, it's really kind of more, what is your motivation? And really sometimes you suffer to let them suffer, but it's a good thing. goes back to your counterintuitive comment. So just your comments on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, I I remember my daughter had a a new car. It was a used car. It was actually kind of a beater. And the um, gas gauge didn't work. So she had driven somewhere. We we have the world's best mail carrier. So he knocks on the door one day and he goes, hey, I have to tell you, your daughter's like, you know, three or four blocks up and she's run out of gas. He goes, I just thought you'd want to know. And I said, oh, Chris, thank you so much. And I got my purse 
and I went to the mall <laughs> because <laughs> I knew, and this was back before cell phones, I knew that if she called me on the landline, I was going to go take her the gas. And if it was the first time it happened and if, she, if it was nighttime and remote, of course I would have gone. But this was about the third time she had run out of gas. And her choices really were to fix the gas gauge or to know my gas gauge is really faulty. I should probably keep track somehow of how far yep. I've driven. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just remember thinking, wow, this is really counterintuitive. You get a message that your child is in some sort of distress. I mean, she was kind of blocking the streets. I'm sure, you know, all the other drivers were not that thrilled with her. Um, but she had to go get the gas can. I don't know if she had cash on her. I don't know. I just I just got five miles away. And, um, <laughs> you know, it, it, <laughs> that was my way of handling it. I, I knew I had to take a strong stance here, and I knew I what I was susceptible to if I got that pleading phone call. So I have learned, you know, healthy distractions. Um, you know, I, I sign up for something that, or I buy tickets to something, and it's like, you know what? Unless one of you kids is in the hospital, I'm yelling to this thing, and you're going to have to manage um, and, you know, find a way. You're going to have to be resourceful. And yep. they also have their own friends and peers. So, you know, even or even if they call another family member, at least it's not me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, they figured that out. They problem solved, right? So, yeah, um, yeah. What a, want to pull this together a little bit. The title of the show was Handling the Rough Stuff, What to Do When Nothing's Working. And I take from that is we, 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 we apply the theory doesn't always end up in nirvana. And the biggest issue yeah. when you're a parent is to kind of pause and kind of downregulate and don't get caught up because in these moments you are now emotionally struggling and you need to regulate just like they are. And the best thing to do is kind of pause and back away and find a safe place to process and brainstorm with. The one thing that I know, and this is a, a quote that I had heard from uh, uh, Totally AD, uh, ADD and Loving It when um, Totally ADD mm -hmm. came out with their documentary, is when you've seen one person with ADHD, you've seen one person with ADHD, meaning <laughs> that they're all different. We did a show one time, uh, Dan Pruitt back in the DSM-4 days when there was three different kinds of ADD, he went through a, a mathematical calculation of all the combination of symptoms that you could have in order to get the diagnosis. And there was over 18,000. And we had the show kind of tongue in cheek. So that's 18,000 different versions of ADHD, not counting comorbid <laughs> conditions and the severity. So which version do you have? I got number 18,021. I've got, well, I've got 34. And the point really is, is as a parent, is they're all different, and if you can find that place where people are not telling you what to do in judgment and you can process and you can add something to that fountain, as you put it, Marie, your brainstorming, which ties back into everything we talked about with Sesame Street, I hope everybody's starting to see there's a process to this, and it's not easy, but there's hope. And to kind of calm down, and the, the best thing that you can do is kind of take care of yourself to take care of the situation. So with that, Marie, anything else to add before we wrap this up? Um, I would just say I saw a television show on PBS. You can Google it. It's called Tiller Stress, and it talks about telomeres, which are strands in your brain, and you want your telomeres as long as possible, and the stress of caregiving and parenting uh, children with differences, if you don't take care of yourself, the strands shorten, and there is, a, you know, a consequence to that, health-related health consequences. So if you need motivation to, you know, be, take some strong stances, 
to take some time off to go take care of yourself, which seems so counterintuitive, you are actually saving your brain from some of the uh, consequences of long-term stress. And, uh, and I think we all want to do that. Touche, touche. It, all, it comes back to self-care almost every time and mindfulness, I might mm-hmm. add. So with that, um, everybody, if you're listening to this and you're in the Philadelphia area, go to ccmlchadd.com to learn more about the conference on February the 10th. And with that, Marie, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's my pleasure. Everybody, we hope you've enjoyed tonight's uh, episode. Uh, Tune in next week for another great edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.